Paul the Apostle said, which, that would be the gospel, he was talking about the gospel, has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing. Let's just stop here. Okay, um, the gospel that we want to talk about is a gospel that often can be tested and known whether it's a true gospel. How? Well, one of the first thing is that it is bearing fruits and it is increasing. It is bearing fruits and it is increasing. I don't care what church is talking about what. Is that they need, the, in order to have proof that what we're preaching is the true gospel, is that they ought to bear fruits and they ought to be in, in, in the increase all the time. So you and I ought to ask ourselves this question this morning is that after listening to Pastor Paul for, for a month, a year, uh, 10 years, whatever, have your life seen increase? Have your life seen fruitfulness? Because if you've been coming to church and listening to what we're supposed to be preaching, the true gospel, it ought to bring increase in your life. Increase meaning increase in your faith, increase in your love walk, increase in your desire to serve God, increase in your ability to understand the Word of God, the perception, your wisdom, which we're going to talk about later on. Is there any increase in the things in your life? Can people see the manifestation of the true, true gospel in your life, meaning that they're seeing increase in your life? Or you're just living with like, uh, like everybody else, you know, when the whole world is turning upside down, your life is turning upside down. You know, I was walking out of here after the first service. Somebody stopped me and said, Pastor, I just wanted to know that I just got a promotion this week. Wow, just another one. You know, I constantly, this is such an amazing season. This is a season that I hear, I haven't heard so many promotions as a pastor in my life. And this is a season that we've seen the most promotion. I've seen people being promoted more in this season. You know why? Because they're listen, not only listening to the gospel, but they're living out the gospel. And as they live out what they've been taught, they're seeing increase in their lives. A lot of people just sit there and just like listen to a preacher talk because he's entertaining, he's funny, you know, and he moves around and he's so handsome looking and this sort of thing, right? But it doesn't do anything to you if you don't see increase in your lives. Now I pray that God will inspire you and motivate you to live the gospel that will cause you and I to live in increase, whether we're in the mountains of our season or in the valleys of our season. I really believe that God wants to bless you. You know, this is where the rubber meets the road. Is that when, we, when everybody is uh, not doing well, believers are prospering and thriving. And God wants you to thrive. You say, I haven't experienced any thriving yet. Well, don't, don't worry because we, you know, we're still in lockdown and people are still struggling. This is your moment to thrive. Listen to me very carefully. If you are living the true gospel, if you're coming to this church, you've been hearing the sermon, you're praying, preaching, then that you haven't seen any increase in your life. Today is a good day to get started. You say, God, I want to see increase in my life. I want to see fruitfulness in my life. You know, fruitful. I, I want to be able to love people more. I want I want to be able to have compassion for people. I want to be able to have the fruit of the Spirit to be increasing in my life. More patience, more peace, and more love, more, 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 more desires. I having greater desire to serve God and be in the house of God. Not just sitting there and listen and listen and there just be nothing going on in their lives. So just, I just pray in Jesus' name that there will be such an increase in your life. 
uh, as it is also among you since day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. So the gospel, the true gospel have two fundamental elements in there. It has the truth, it also has grace. You know there are some churches that just focus on the truth. You say, you know, you, you pre hear preachers sometimes say, oh, we want to preach the truth. We want to tell the truth, you know. And they're calling the people on the carpet, you know, of their sin and their shortcoming. Why? Because they want to preach the truth. And the truth will set you free. We only after the truth. And you only, you know, believe in the truth. And we don't compromise in the truth. And, you know, they do this and that. And so do you know that every religion out there is also trying to preach their truth? Do you know that in the name of truth, Christian religion and other religion had gone to great wars? Do you know that in the name of truth, literally millions have been dead because of the wars in the name of truth? The gospel we preach is not just truth. You know, 1 John chapter 1 verse 17, John the Beloved says this, the law came through Moses. That's the truth. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Do you know that our faith is not just about the law, the rules, and the truth, and so forth? If you hear preachers that keep preaching about that, I think they miss the boat a little bit. Because our gospel is not just truth. Yes, truth is important. But if you're missing another element, then it's not the true gospel. The true gospel also involves, watch this, grace. Grace is also important. We also need to remind people of the grace of God. It is by grace that you've been saved. By grace that you've been saved. And grace is very important. Now, there are churches that only talk about grace. They only mention about grace. Oh, this is Grace Church. We are Grace Church. You know, I remember when I first started discovering this truth about grace. I was going around telling other pastors, teachers, and different people that you know, uh, you know, we are what 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 we're, what Grace Church. We preach the grace message. Then there was this pastor uh, that I know really well. You know, he's in the West and he has a really big church. And and um, and I asked him, so what do you guys preach? You guys preach the grace message. He said, we don't preach the grace message. We preach the gospel. Because the gospel has grace in it. You know, a lot of people just talk about grace, right? Grace this and grace that. You know, if you heard people say that God is love, when people say that God is love, do you know what they mean usually? Is that God is just love. God is not just love. You know, people say, God is love, you know, He's all just love. He's not just love. God is bigger than love. Yes, the Bible says God is love, but that's not the only thing He is about. He is not just love, He is glorious, He is powerful, He is righteous, He is holy, He is merciful, you know, He is gracious, He wants to supply your needs according to His riches and glory, He wants to pour His blessing to you, He is more than just love. He's more than just lovey-dovey. So there are churches that just preach about love. So they don't care, God, you know, to the wind, all the, all the truth. You know, just uh, you know, compromise in every way they can, you know. And you say everything is okay, you know, because God is love. No, God is not just love. If you just say God is love, you're preaching half-truth. You're telling half-truth. The true gospel is grace and truth. 
We need to have both grace and truth. Always remember that. Because without that, you cannot bear fruits. And you cannot see increase in your life. If all you hear about is just grace. Or all you hear about is just truth. Then you will see yourself have a very limited expansion in your life. If there's any expansion at all. Now let's move on. Uh, let's go to verse 9. So from the day we heard. That would be the day that Paul the Apostle heard about um, uh, the church in Colossae. We have not ceased to pray for you. Asking God that you may, watch this, be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. See, without knowledge, doesn't matter if you're the smartest guys in the world, it's pretty much useless. Without knowledge, you know, you could be the person that could understand the most complex things, it's still pretty useless. Until you have the knowledge, then the wisdom and the understanding can be released into your life. Now watch this, to have spiritual wisdom, to have spiritual understanding, you too must have the knowledge of what? the will of God to properly understand or have the true spiritual wisdom meaning that you can make smart decision meaning you have foresight you have perception that nobody had you can see a situation and most people will see one thing because they don't have enough perception you can see something else you can see things that people can see you can understand things that people can understand you can make decision that most people wouldn't know how to make and you will have this what we call foresight or wisdom why because you are filled with the knowledge of his will. Not just any knowledge. The knowledge of His will. But how do you pursue that? Where do you find it? There are two places that you can find it. Number one is in the Word of God. Here. This is where you need to increase your knowledge. You know the will of God through the, 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 the stories in the Bible. You read the Old Testament. You see how God behaves. You know how He moves and how what He how He instructs His people to to do things. You know, and you see the stories of how people are being blessed and you know and and how people are not being blessed. You know what it is they pray, how they pray. So you kind of have the knowledge of the will of God in here and in the New Testament. You know, it's clearly stated to us what it is that God is thinking, how He's thinking right but another way now this is what we call the rhema word you all know that sorry logos word but you know there's also rhema word rhema word is absolutely critical and important you know why because the rhema word sometimes it's a word that's in the proper season how do you get rhema word rhema means that god literally speaks to you he's like hello speak to you and you will hear it in your spirit some of you say, well, you know, I can't hear it in my spirit. I can't hear anything. Sometimes I'm not too sure whether it's God talking to me or the devil talking to me or my mother talking to me or my wife talking to me. You know, all this, all this thoughts just in my head. I cannot distinguish what is what. Well, number one is that if you have the, the basic knowledge of the Bible, you'll know that, you know, what, what, what God is saying what. You know, what, what is God saying to you? Number two is that if you're in the body of Christ, I spoke about that quite a number of weeks ago. You can leverage the gifts God has given to His church. The gifts that He's given to different Christians that are sitting beside you and around you. 
There are people in this church that are gifted with the with the with the with the prophetic uh, giftings. Or they have word of knowledge, word of wisdom. They have a discerning of spirits. You know, in this church, I've heard many uh, people who are plugged in. You know, I heard from small groups that people are just talking about. You know, somebody's just 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 that God just spoke to them, and and that they now can relay the message to other people. You know, we can. You know, the body of Christ. We need to see more gifts being in operation. You know, when you go to small groups, you know, I encourage the small group leaders, you know, just allow the gifts of God to flourish. Allow the gifts of God to just flourish among the group, the people in the group. Why? Because it's so important that we allow the gifts to flourish. Why? Because each of us can leverage the other people to know what the Lord is saying. And so, you know, that's how you know or have the knowledge of the will of God. And when you do, Verse 10 tells us this. So as to a walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. Do you realize that being a, tr uh, being a born again believer does not equal to living in prison? No, no, people say, I don't want to be a Christian because I won't be able to have any fun. I won't be able to do what I like to do. You know, I feel like I'm all chained up and I can't do this, can't do that. That's the religion. Religion preaches that. It's rule-based. But you know, if you have the knowledge of the will of God, in all your spiritual understanding, spiritual wisdom and understanding, do you realize that it's become very easy to live out your Christian walk. It's not because you feel that the whole world is watching you and you feel like you're being bound with all the rules. Is that as you begin to, to understand the will of God, you'll be able to walk naturally in a manner which is worthy of your faith, which is worthy of the Lord and is pleasing to Him. You don't even have to try. The plan of God is that He will change you with the knowledge of His will in your life, with the spiritual understanding and, and spiritual wisdom that you will have through this, the knowledge of His will. You will actually naturally like what He likes. And eventually you will think the way He thinks. You have the ideas that He would have. It's going to be part of you. It's not even a struggle. Just imagine living a life without feeling like you are limited. You can do whatever you want because at that place you can literally do whatever you want. Because what you want to do, what you really desire, not because somebody tells you, but what you really desire is what God desires. That's what it means. So walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. And second, of course, I mentioned earlier, bearing fruit in every good work. You know, some people, you know, they do a lot of good work. But there's no fruits in their life. Have you ever run into people that just do all the good work, but at the end, they got nothing to show for it? That's really sad. You know, this is not the will of God, that you do all the good work and have nothing to show for it. God wants you to be fruitful. You know, I often say to people in this church, and say to you, and, and, and for those of you watching on YouTube, you've probably heard me say it before, is that, Good work does not equal to God's work. Not every good work is God's work. You know, not, not every good work that people suggest to you is what God wants you to do. 
Just for example, you know, I always use this example. Jesus went to the pool of Podesta. He healed only one out of the many hundred, if not thousands of people that are sick at the pool of Podesta. One, just one. Well, you say, what's wrong with him? Why can't he heal? If he has all the power, why wouldn't he heal everybody? Oh, Jesus made it very clear. I will only do what my Father is doing. So in other words, he will only do work that is prompted by the will of the Father. In other words, he had full knowledge of the will of God. So that he is not succumbing to pressure of people expecting him to do good works, but that he will only do what the Father wants him to do. Another example is Lazarus. You know, when Lazarus was sick, he could have just gone and healed Lazarus. It was in his walking distance. It was close enough. But instead, he waited until Lazarus died and his corpse started to stink. What's wrong with you, Jesus? Why can't you just go and heal? You're supposed to love Lazarus. Why do you allow him to go through death and then get all wrapped up and become all stuck and then you go and raise him from the dead? Why? Because what we think is good work may not be in the will of the Father. Sometimes it makes zero sense. So when people give, you know, would tell this church, you know, you need to do this, this do that, this is good work, this is a charitable thing, you know, we want, well, our charity needs your help, our, our organization needs your help, or our family needs your help, or this and the, the other thing, I always say this, until I hear from the Father what He wants us to do, don't expect me to do them, even if it is a legitimate good cause. Are you here this morning? And there are people that are going to give you that pressure. Oh, you got to do this. Oh, you got to do that. Oh, you got to do Are you not a Christian? Should you not do this? Should you not do that? But instead of succumbing to the pressure, you ought to say, I will only do what God wants me to do. I will only respond to what the Spirit of God says. But you can't say that if you don't have the will or the knowledge of the will of God. When you do the will of God, when you do exactly what He wants you to do, watch this. It's always very successful, fruitful, successful. I know that there have been people that, you know, try to start a church and um, it's not going anywhere. It's a good idea to start a church. But is it a God idea? Because if it's a God idea, then God is going to prosper it. Some people start a good business, you know, it's a good idea to start a business. Is it a God idea? If it's not a God idea, you can start all you want. It won't prosper. Because if it is His idea, if you're doing it with the knowledge of His will, you will have fruitfulness in all that you do. Even in Christian ministry. You know, if you find yourself not being fruitful in Christian ministry, you have to find, you have to ask yourself, do I have the full knowledge of the will of God? Am I sure that this is what the Lord wants me to do? Otherwise, all the good work you do will come to naught and you get frustrated, you're frustrated with God, frustrated with yourself, and you will give up hope altogether. There are many Christians today, they don't want to do anything. They will do nothing. They come and become a consumer. I mean, there's no condemnation of that, but God has a fuller plan for you because He wants you to have little victory, big victory, small victory, awesome victories as you get engaged in serving Him. But don't engage in anything, but only what? He wants you to do. Then you have victory and your life will be full. You know, you know how, how good it feels when you have victory, you have success. It feels great. And He wants you to feel that way. Lastly, increasing in the knowledge of... Well, not lastly, the second last one. Increasing in the knowledge of God. You know, 
I've been married to my wife almost 22 years. Next week is our anniversary. 22 years anniversary. Don't know what to do yet, praise the Lord. But God is good. But you know, I get to know my wife over the years by knowing what she likes, what she doesn't like, through trial and error. That's a lot of fighting, arguments, you know, this sort of thing. But I start, I would, I, would, I would know her more. The more I know her is the more I know about her will, what she wants to do, what she likes to do. It's the same way as the way that she knows me more is what I like to do, what I enjoy the most, as opposed to, uh, you know, uh, uh, just try, uh, trial and error. I remember after we first got married, you know, and um, I haven't known her yet, didn't know what she liked and what she didn't like, you know. So, you know, out of the goodness of my heart, it is the goodness of my heart, you know. I went out and I spent a lot of money. And, you know, you heard me, you know, just one example that I, I, I use all the time, you know. Uh, I took her to this expensive steakhouse, paying hundreds and hundreds of dollars just on this little steak. And at the end, it was our anniversary. It was at the end, at the end, you know, I was like, I was looking for this gratefulness and compliment for her, from her, you know. I said, what do you think? And she sat there and she had a thought for a few seconds. She went, I could do better. <laughs> so what have I learned? On anniversary, she cooks. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. I just learned how, what she likes and what she doesn't like. I couldn't, I can't assume. See, a lot of times in our relationship with God, we assume things. We assume this is the will of God because it's a good idea. Oh, don't assume it. You will get to know God, His character more, the more you know His will. Amen? Lastly, is it being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might. Why? For all endurance and patience with joy. You know that believers, we ought to learn how to be patient. You know, I was sharing with the people in the first service and a lot of people. You know, I've got many friends that, uh, that are pastors in the United States. i talked to quite a few of them. And you know, if you watch any news, you know that all the American churches, they're chomping to bits to want to get reopened. Even though there are like 100,000 cases a day or whatever, some crazy number going on, they still want to open the church. And not only that, they do not want to be limited by the government how many people can attend the church. They like out the wind with the social distancing thing. Let's hug, let's talk, let's spit on each other, you know, just, just continue to do what we do. And so they'll be talking to me and they'll be calling me and, and I remember a few of them would say, you know, you need to stand up for the truth. There you go again. Stand up for the truth. You need to resist the government and you need to open up. Why? Because that's how you demonstrate your faith. You cannot be like the rest of the world, you know, being controlled and subjected to the government, you know, blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And uh, so, you know, after four weeks of the coronavirus, they were planning reopening already, and some had already opened on the third week. You know, some of the pastors in this country, they influenced by them too. I remember one, one of the pastors in the United States told me that, when he told me that, I said to him, I said, this is how, how we think in Canada. We, we're, not, we're not political. We're not trying to be political here. And uh, we're not trying to make any statement. We want to preach the gospel. And I can preach the gospel on the internet. I can preach the gospel over, 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 over the cloud. 
And uh, I understand the need to come together, to gather together, and it will come. But that we have to be patient. And that was the key. Patient. That was one, um, that's a few pastors in uh, one of the provinces in this country wrote a letter to the premier and blasting the premier, telling the premier that they, they you know, he cannot limit them to meet uh, in, in, in full capacity. And so they got out to the public, and this is what the premier said about those pastors. Have a little faith. Have a little faith. You know, one of the characters of faith is patience. You know, a lot of pastors I know that they're very worried that when this coronavirus is over, their church would have been gone. I understand that. Because they're worried that people will have a habit not going to their church and they're going to stop going. Now, they're concerned. That's a legitimate concern. But you know, in the Bible, the, the Word of God says that, you know, all our works will be put through fire. You know, our works, some of them are made of hay and woods and grass. And some of our works are made of precious metals and precious stones. But the fire will come, whether it's with Christians individually or with the church. But all the works will be put through fire. And at the end, when you come out of the fire, if your works are made out of woods and haze and grass, they all be burned. But if your works are made of precious metal and precious stones, don't you worry, it's going to be around. I'm talking both individually as believers and also as a church. I always say this, if God doesn't want this church to be around, I'm glad to go to some other churches, you know, it's okay. I don't, I, don't, I don't need to have a church to, 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 to have my identity. But you know, if God doesn't want this place to be around, that's why you never hear me appeal for money. Oh, please help, please help. You know, we're running out of money. I will never appeal that if God doesn't want us to be here, He'll cause the, the money to run dry, and then we all go home and we shut this place down. And you know, we stop paying salary to all the staff, and then off we go. We go home. Why do I want to prop up what God didn't start in the first place? And it is the works of God. He may go through fire, but bless God, when it comes out, it's still going to be there. In fact, purer. In fact, on the third week or the fourth week during coronavirus, when a lot of the American churches are advocating reopening the church, in my spirit, I felt the Holy Spirit says it's not long enough yet. This is a time of reset. This is a time of regeneration. New works are going to arise. Some of the old works that are not supposed to be there, they're going to disappear. But it's not time yet. It's not long enough. Friends, I want to tell you this. When you have the knowledge of His will, you will have the patience. You will have the strength to endure. Because like the Bible says in Hebrew, it, says, it is for the joy of the Lord. It's the joy of what is ahead of Him. Jesus could endure the cross. Many people can't see what's ahead of them. And so they are scared. But if you have the knowledge of the will of God, you know how the story is going to end. You will not be afraid. Come hell or high water, if I can say that. Because you have the knowledge of the will of God. That's why it's so beneficial for you to obtain the knowledge of the will of God. One of the things to do it is to listen to me talk, you know, come and preach. I preach and I share. But nothing again I say is to, from, to leverage the gifts of other believers in the church. But also don't forget... To read this yourself. Amen. Are you blessed this morning? Did you learn something? Come on, let's give praise to the Lord. Would you please stand?